Red Glow is an everything photography podcast covering the entire range of photography from chemical, darkroom, and alternative-based processes all the way to modern digital photography and beyond. Be sure to visit us at www.underredglow.com. And now your host, John Milliker Jr. Hello and thank you for joining us for episode 95 of the Under Red Glow podcast. My name is John Milliker and I'm a full-time photographer who practices, teaches, demonstrates nearly every photographic process in history, including modern digital gear and techniques. And with me in the studio is my co-host and lovely wife, Christine. She practices and demonstrates many processes herself and is our entry-level process and kids' class instructor. Welcome, Christine. Good evening. What's going on? It's a rainy weekend. I, uh, I changed your, your your mixer settings a little bit. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I hear you fine. Okay. We have a uh, we have a very, uh, a very important event for our local camera club. We have our end-of-year awards banquet. And because of the thing, you like when I say that, don't you? I'm so ready for that to go away. <laughs> but because of the thing, this is our first awards banquet in person in three years. Three years. This might be, yeah, the third year that uh, that we've, we haven't had it. Two, two years we didn't have it. This is the third. And, uh, and you know what? It's so nice to get out, and it's so nice to see a lot of the people that we've been interacting with virtually. But because of the thing... We've the, grown. You're say the thing. That that's you. I'm sorry. I can't do that. <laughs> um, we've actually grown, and we have many out of state people though too. So yeah. So this is why we're doing this. We can have the awards banquet at the at the restaurant in the in the conference in the little little banquet room that we have it in, and just have a have a good night. But the problem is, is we have a lot of people, as Christine said, we have a, a few people that are out of town. We have a few people that may not be ready to to sit in close proximity with each other and eat for whatever reasons. They they might not be able to make it. So um, yours truly has taken on the task of virtually streaming this banquet, and and I've been I've been testing all the things out. I've got a, I've got a big monitor speaker that will hook up into the mixer, and people will be able to hear. I've been testing out uh, latency. I've been testing out delays. I've been testing out feedback, and. I think I think I'm ready. I'm ready to take this on the road. Have uh, have a have a microphone for myself. Have two wireless microphones. I've got the monitor speaker set, uh, hooked up wirelessly. We've got the laptop and the projector that we will be streaming our end of year awards results and other things that the club has done during uh, during the year. And yeah, so I've I've been messing around with the with the settings. Thankfully, they're pretty easy to put back, but. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> so there you go. But what else is going on? Well, we were supposed to have an event, but it was postponed to a time where we won't be able to attend because we already have another event. Unfortunately, but. I think we talked about it. We even had a, probably a podcast about it. But the, the, um, the Cedar Creek Battlefield Foundation in near Middletown, Virginia, had their family day or family weekend this weekend. But we had, you know, we had some nasty storms come through. And they decided to postpone it, and that was pretty sad because this is one of the the few events that Christine has, and she's up front and center, and she's just making tin types, <laughs> cyanotypes, yeah. making si the blue tin types. So she's making the blue <laughs> paper tin types with kids, 
uh, of course, being the cyanotype process from 1842. But she she really enjoys that. And unfortunately, you know, when you when you're working with photographic process, even though we were ready to bring everything indoors, we have a uh, we've got a dozen UV exposure boxes that uh, that we can have students and and people use. But the problem is, is the rest of the event was pretty much outside. A lot of Civil War craftspeople. Uh, yeah, I guess soldier units, military units there. And uh, they did the right thing because not many people I don't think would have come out. But we're going to talk a little bit about that, maybe, and uh, and more after this word from our sponsor. Well, yeah, the, last year we had so much fun with the Cedar Creek family. They still call it family day, but it's two days. Yeah. Whatever. People get it. And we had a lot of great people come through. So, uh, Christine sold a, a, a bunch of her uh, cyanotype kits. Because people played with the process and enjoyed it so much that they wanted to continue it at home. And we've heard we've heard a lot of great things from those people. A lot of people are coming up with really creative ways to use cyanotypes. Because not only do we teach cyanotype as a standalone process, but Christine makes sure that she she works in there that you can hand color, you can tone, you can make cyanotypes on fabric and and all that fun stuff, and and add it to your art. As we always say here on the podcast, one photographic process is not the end-all, be-all of processes. It is just a tool in your toolkit. Right. And you can do a lot of really cool things with it. And it's fun to mix them and just be creative with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're a little bit sad about that, but but we've been having fun. We'll talk a little bit more about the, uh, the unexpected turn of events yesterday. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll talk about that with our uh, Patreon subscription supporters in the after show, but yeah, we we found ourselves with a uh, with a rare free weekend to uh, to get some personal stuff done and uh, and go out and have fun with friends. Right. Yeah. What else is going on? Um, wow, um, I'm I'm not really. I haven't even looked at this. I haven't even looked at the, at the schedule coming up. I know we don't have any tin type stuff for maybe a couple weeks. Well, you know, event event style things. Uh, I don't need to worry about mixing any chemistry now. We weren't taking chemistry to the 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 Cedar Creek thing, the tin types. We were just going to focus on the cyanotype, something that the kids and and the adults like it like it more than the kids usually. <laughs> but but being able to do that, uh, I've received. I need to put out a a. A thing to all of my uh, all of my students for the civilian celebration that made lumen prints. I had one person send me a copy of their lumen print, and it was so cool. And you know, I just love lumen prints. And and found out that unfortunately, I, I used to be a fan of Adorama's silver photographic paper, enlargement paper, and found out that they no longer make it. And I, I heard the writing on the wall. When I talked to Adorama, a couple reps here and there, they said, "Yeah, we're you know you might want to buy more you know more than than you usually get because it may not be around." But to be honest with you, I'm I'm looking forward to moving on to the next paper. Uh, there's some stuff out there from FOMA. There's one uh, paper. Uh, what was it called? Ink, ink something. Yeah, remember I remember that? seeing it. It was a new paper that we'd never heard of. But the FOMA is the one that stuck out the most in the reviews that I remember. I don't remember ever using FOMA, but I want to I want to get a box of it in and and playing around with it and trying to figure out if I like it or not. I really like the Adorama stuff. Uh I can't remember what what the rumor was. Of course Adorama would never 
they would never admit to it, but there was a rumor that they were a certain other brand name. They were just rebranded. I can't remember. I can't even remember what it was. Maybe Hanamule. Oh, I'm not too sure. And I remember asking one of the uh, one of the Adorama reps like, "Hey, is this stuff rebranded from a company that starts with an H?" And and they were like, "I I can't." Uh, I think I think one of them played dumb, and one of them was like, "I can't, I can't say." <laughs> and I understand. I understand because if it was from Hanamule or it was from, let's just pretend Ilford or Fomor or Kentmere, then it would it would pull away from their their customers. I understand it. No big deal. Right. Uh, Hanamule is still out there, although they don't have that many papers left that I know of. Let's see. Actually, that's fine art paper. What was the? There was another H name that did that did enlarging paper. I don't know if anybody knows that. Let me send me send me a message and let me know. But uh, but anyway, they we have um, uh, FOMA is still around. Arista. I was never a fan of Arista branded papers, but maybe I should give another another shot. And Ilford always being the the gold standard of of silver enlargement papers. But there's also another one, uh, Ink Press. And Ink Press is actually really cheap. Really cheap stuff. Well, let me say inexpensive. This ink press stuff is really inexpensive. And I want to give it a shot because you can get, oh, let's see, 50 sheets of 8 by 10 for $63. And that nice. is just perfect for lumen printing. And, and I've got so much old stock of paper, like even stuff that I wouldn't do any client work on, I would, I would use some of the old stock. I've got a lot of color. I've got a lot. I've got rolls and rolls and rolls of color um, RA4 paper. But you know what? There's just something about a lumen print on black and white paper because it it changes the color when it really, you know, it's a, it's a black and white paper. It doesn't have any color to it. I mean, you may have warm tone or cool tone, but it changes the color depending on the the vapor leaving the plant matter or whatever you've got. But, but yeah, it might, it might not be a bad idea to keep an eye on... Um, on this ink press, and I want to get I want to get some some of their stuff in, and just try it. I mean I mean heck, five by seven, pearl paper, and we're talking. It's of course this is resin. This is resin paper. This is not fiber, but a variable contrast resin coated paper. Twenty five sheets for seven bucks. I mean you can't you really can't beat that. Two hundred fifty sheets for sixty eight dollars. You 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 can't beat that at all. And even if we don't like it at all and we decide to go along with uh, just lumen printing for this stuff, that would be completely fine. This is, you know, it doesn't need to be perfect. Lumen prints are are kind of like the pinhole of, of photographic paper. You know, you just throw it out there, hope you get something that somewhat looks like something, and usually you're very happy with it. Right. But, yeah, that's that's other 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 company that I was talking about, uh, Ink Press. And Arista... We used to use Arista film. We used to use, uh, you know, if we were just putzing around and, and playing around with something, we would use the Arista EDU films. And they were nice. They weren't bad. They had a little bit of the idiosyncrasies to them, which which I kind of liked. But, uh, of course, if you wanted uh, picture perfect and as, 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 as reproducible as, as possible to the scene that you photograph, then, yeah, you want to go with somebody, somebody else, like maybe Ilford or, or Kodak. But uh, but the Arista stuff was was pretty decent. And we talked about Orwell. And Orwo's stuff was good, but like I said last last week, Orwo was always kind of weird. Like they would send you an email out that there was a sale, and when you went there, that it wasn't available. When you called them up, there was always some 
hate to say the word excuse, but there's always some reason to why, oh, that, that sale doesn't work for that. And no matter what I bought, it just seemed like that sale didn't work. So it is what it is. Yeah, maybe we'll get a... Actually, no, that 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 uh, that new Orwo film was a 36-shot uh, canister of film anyway. I like bulk loading. Bulk loading film is is great. Of course, now it's so darn expensive. Yeah. And and I'm kind of glad that we have a film fridge full of the stuff, but, you know, you can always use more. We'll find uses for all of it. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> uh, what else were we going to talk about? That was about it. We talked about the uh, the lumen printing, but we have we had one one person send back a copy of their lumen print so far, and I'll post it online when I get. I'm gonna try to get a couple more from people, but that was a lot of fun, and that's one of the things Christine usually does with her 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 workshops as well. She will not only do cyanotype, but she will do lumen printing, and and a couple other things as well. Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I haven't even looked. I wanted to bring up the calendar without making it seem too obvious, but uh, oh yeah, and we've got we've got a steampunk event in oh let's see one two three weeks. So therefore, yeah, next week I need to mix new chemistry. I just had some, I just over ordered chemistry for this month, so therefore I have plenty plenty of chemistry. I just need to mix it in in a week. That way I can get it uh, nice and ripe for the for the uh, for that. That show, that's called Freaky Mutant Weirdo, and that is in Hackettstown, New Jersey. It's a one-day event, Saturday, June 4th, right? June, yeah, June 4th, and uh, and that should be fun. And then we will be out at the Newcomer House in Sharpsburg, Maryland, uh, for um, and, and having tin types available, and also Christine will be doing the cyanotype make and takes with the kids there, which should be a lot of fun, and then... And then we move on to two weeks after that, and that is the Gettysburg Anniversary Weekend, and we will be at the George Spangler Farm completely set up. That is a big, that's a big living history event. And if you're you're in town for any of those, stop by and say hi. And, man, I can't believe, you know, we're, we're already looking at June schedules. That's crazy. Especially when, you know, we went outside today and it was, it was high 50s and rain and miserable. I have a feeling that we're going to get to the point where spring is just going to turn off like a switch and we're going to have 90 plus degree days. I hope not. It did that several years ago. It was one, one, do you remember that right before the thing? It was, we had one, one year where it was rain. Every weekend was rain. Yes. And then the, the next year, every weekend was just completely, absolutely miserably hot. But, you know, I guess beggars can't be choosers, right? We don't choose what the weather is. It just kind of happens. No. And we've got some private stuff here and there, but uh, but that's not as fun. I love I love private stuff. I love, you know, I love doing that kind of stuff, but I like interacting with people so much more. Now, of course, with private stuff, tin types, you know, we are we always drag the people in. Did, did we talk about the wedding last week? I think we did. I think we did talk about the wedding yes. a little bit, but, but being able to show off the process while we were there. And sometimes it's it's difficult because you only have so much space. People are there. They're there to get their their, their photo made and they're there to, to run back to the reception. But it's like, all right, well, just give us, you know, give us 30 seconds for me to develop it and bring it out. And at least you can see the image, basically, uh, fixer. 
and I always hate using the word fixer, but that's really the na- the word it is. It almost makes it seem like, oh, what, you break it? Why you have to fix it? No, fixer being dissolving all the under ex- unexposed, undeveloped silver off the plate and then leaving you with an amazing positive image on a, t- on a, on a piece of um, japanned metal or blackened metal or, or glass. Really cool. Heck of a lot of fun, huh? It is. It is. But uh, but yeah, we want to talk about and we've we actually talked about this a little bit in episode eighteen, and that was it. Just seems like ages ago. That was very early on in this podcast. We need to find out when our anniversary is for the podcast because I like to do a a you know what have we learned? I, I know I think we did one last year, but but just kind of reminiscing on you know just jumping into a podcast knowing nothing. Well, you have to. It will be episode one hundred and four. Because there's 52 weeks in a year, and we've never missed a week. So there you go, episode. One. Oh gosh, I can't believe that. That'll be because two of years. it. And and we've talked about this before, but weekly podcasts are tough. Coming up with the you know, and and Christy and I, we went out today, and we and we just kind of hung out, and we just talked about it. okay, well, what do we want to talk about? And we have we have a, a small list of things, and. We love bringing in kind of different things into the the light and the perspective of photography. And and today's thing that we're going to talk about is um, it has nothing to do with photography. And it almost is very industrial. But there's a lot of takeaways from this. There's a lot of correlations to from this to photography. And I hope we get through the whole list, but if we get if we get a little bit uh, long-winded, we're going to split this up into two lists. And this is the uh, the Working the Code Manual by Tom Sachs. And if you want to check it out, do, do a YouTube search for the word uh, the the phrase 10 bullets." And this is a basically a guide for t- uh, Tom Sachs. Tom Sachs is a is a creator and uh, of of mechanical things, and he has a studio. I believe it's in New York City, and uh, Tom Sachs uh, ex- explains his studio as a complex and enigmatic en- 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 enigmatic working environment. And how can you th- how can you think about complexity and and enigmatic mysteriousness, kind of secret, kind of mysterious? And but the thing is, is even though he 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 comes out and says, okay, it's a secret, and mysterious, he gives you ten points to work in his studio. And we're going to go through these points as well because I think anybody, whether you're a photographer, whether you're an artist, heck, even if you, you know, even if you manage a chain of fast food restaurants, this is a this is something that really should be well known to everyone because I think you can use pretty much every one of these points in in not only your professional life but your creative life as well. Would you think that's a fair assessment, Christine? For most of these, yes. There's one that I disagree with for what we do, but we'll get to that when we get there. Uh-oh. Although it is number one, so. Well, thanks for ruining it for us. <laughs> uh, this is the precise rules and principles, and basically, uh, it's an employee manual of sorts. If you want to work for Tom Sachs, all right. Right. There are ten bullet points, and as I said, if we get through all ten, great. If not, we will we will pick up the the last five next week. And the first bullet point is work to code. What is work to code, Christine? You want to you want to tackle that? Work to code is sticking with the system that is in place, not making your own rules, 
not coming up with new vocabulary, not jumping around. But they also say creativity is the enemy. And that's the part of this that I don't think applies to what we do. I think it is. I think it does. Because here's the thought. We are very creative. And if you look at Tom Sachs's creations, he's very creative. But he's coming at he's coming to this as a point of creativity is the enemy. As a photographer, let's say you go out and photograph a wedding. Are you going to be creative on how you post process those images? How you take the the beginning stages of shooting a wedding, the day of shooting a wedding and the the post work of shooting a wedding? Are you going to be creative with that or are you going to work to code? some of each okay when you're photographing you want to be creative right but what do you still shoot what are the same shots that everybody doesn't want but everybody buys you're still going to get the bride and groom shots you're still going to get the bride and father and mother son dance i mean there's the list of things that you're going to get so there is that code i learned this from monty zucker a long time ago they come to you saying they want photojournalistic style images they don't want to pose they don't want to do this but the pose shots are the ones are always buying right you can still be creative you still need to to populate a a a book for the bride and groom afterwards with images that you're supposed to capture those creative little moments and if you're not a creative photographer, I can understand that you're going to miss a lot of that stuff. But here's the problem. What is this, what's the, the same thing we do as soon as we land a, a, a wedding client? What are the same things we do? We, we visit the venue. We introduce ourselves to the, the, the venue uh, contact. We introduce ourselves. We visit the church. We visit, we introduce ourselves to the church. We try to have a, t- a talk with the uh, with the officiant of the wedding. Understand what the rules are. Every church is different. We've been in churches where you can light the place up, and we've been in churches where no flash photography in this dark church, and you have to be at the end of all the pews, not the end of the people in the pews. The end of all the pews. It's always the same thing. We work to code. We have a wedding contract. We go visit the venue. We go visit the church, right? Right. We are working to code. When we pack up and we we go to to go to the wedding venue and I go with the groom, Christine goes to the bride, we get setting up shots. It's always the same thing. Now, do you need to get creative in a hotel room with one window? Yes. Absolutely. You need to be creative, but you're working to code knowing I got to put a light here because I need to balance this out. I need to make sure I shoot in this direction because somebody smeared hopefully what looks like chocolate pudding on the wall. No, we've never had that, thankfully. But but you're looking at the background of these images. You don't want to to photograph in in my instance, I don't want to photograph the groom and and one and the best man's on the on the bed picking his nose. You've got to be creative on when it's when it's useful and you've got to work to code when there is a set way to do these things. You're still putting the lens on the camera. You still are what you know, making sure that you don't have any any dust on the lens. You're making sure your batteries are charged. What what would happen if you take those steps and introduce creativity to them? I mean, you might not have your batteries charged and you change something up. Oh, I'm going to get creative. I'm going to put I'm going to put uh, batteries in the car tonight. 
I'm going to put my camera bag uh, here. Uh, my memory card, you know what? I'm just going to throw them in my pocket. When you get creative, that's when things go wrong as far as that aspect. When I'm done a wedding and, and Christine and uh, maybe my third shooter and maybe I, we all put our memory cards off to one side. And typically, uh, typically if, if I can be afforded the, the opportunity, I'm, I'm copying memory cards as soon as they come out of cameras. Now, thankfully, we've outfitted all of our shooters with cameras and bodies that, that shoot on multiple cards. But the, that main card that is, that is taking the, the, the big raw files, I'm copying them off as quickly as I can. The sooner I can get a third copy, the better. Because even though you've got a memory card and you've got two memory cards in a camera, you drop that camera in a fountain, in a toilet, you're, you're photographing a wedding on, a, on a, uh, the side of a mountain, on a, on a little overlook, you drop that camera, all those images are gone. It does, if Murphy doesn't care how many copies you have because they're in the same damn camera, right? Right. Coming, coming back, you know, you've got to shoot the next day. Are you, are you taking that time to charge your cameras on the ride home? Are you taking the time to make a, a third? And at the end of the night, I make even a fourth copy. And typically we're, we're not driving. Christine and I are driving in a car, but our, our third shooter will be driving. I give the third shooter a, a, a hard drive. What happens, God forbid, you know, Christy and I get in a car accident. It's not the bride and groom's fault that that we weren't prepared and had, had another backup, right? Right. So at least the bride and groom can get their photos as our, our last dying wish. Please get the photos of the bride and groom. Kind of the, kind of the joke for, for camera people. If I fall off a cliff, catch my camera. <laughs> Just, I'm going to throw the camera to you. Catch it, please. Uh, but yeah, that's that's really an interesting thing on on working to code, and uh, they even go into the video saying arbitrary decision making and inventiveness is discouraged. Again, arbitrary decision making. I'm not gonna put. I'm not gonna format that card in my camera. I'll format it when I get there. What What are you gonna forget every time? To format that. To card. format the card. Now all of a sudden your card's full, and you go back to the first image, and it's uh, it's Uncle Larry's pool party from last week. It's a recipe for disaster to not adhere by a code, and it's crazy. Now, now let me let me preface this video. This video is completely weird, in a good way. And the first time you watch it, you may be like, oh, yeah, whatever. This is really kind of schlock. This is really stuff that, okay, a guy with a big head did this. He makes his he makes employees, his employees do all this. And maybe. But have you ever had a terrible boss? Yeah. I've, I've had I've had terrible bosses that that do things for the good of the company, and I've had terrible bosses just because they're terrible. This is a not necessarily a terrible boss, but a a difficult boss for a good reason. And it's not like these bullets are unobtainable, but as long as you remember the rules of the shop, if somebody's paying you and you follow these, you're going to be a-okay. But you may look at this video and think like, John, what do you think? What are you talking about? But 
watch it and really put some effort into it. And think about how these things translate to your own creativity and how you work in your own uh, in in your own working environment. And I think all I think honestly, these can be translated to personal life too. Work to code, take a shower, work to code, brush your teeth, work to code, eat healthy, right? Doesn't mean you can't go and be creative and go axe throwing or or bowling or whatever. You don't your life doesn't need to be a, a robotic series of of program steps, but there are things that you work to code throughout your entire life. Go to work. Um, try to get some exercise. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that's a very important. That's very very important. And and try to try to try to help me out with this because I'm going to think this. I'm going to forget about this whole. You know, put these to your how you operate in life. Try to bring those up if I forget about it. What's number two? Number two is sacred space. Tom Sachs' studio is sacred space. Um, I'm trying to read my handwriting. All surfaces. Is that what it says? All surfaces? I, sometimes S- I can't. Maybe, studio- maybe my work to code is try to have better handwriting. Sacred space is that the studio floors, all the surfaces, all the areas need to be respected. And respect is essential. And keep your personalized items where they belong, mm-hmm. not in the way of other people. Um, well, per, let's let's break these down. Um, keep your keep your personal items stowed. And in the video, they say that they have you know all the employees have lockers or they can put their things upstairs. But the studio, the the main floor of their studio is sacred space. What what could go wrong with that if you have your personal stuff there with you? If your personalized stuff gets there, it could start taking over your work area. And then... Well, not only that, you're there to do a job. Right. You are there to do a job. Keep your personal stuff out of the way. They also talk about cell phones. Keep yeah. any conversation uh, related to work. And if you need to take a personal call, leave the sacred space. Also, keep your phone on silent so that the ringing doesn't interrupt your coworkers. Well, I I don't remember here. Did they say that in the in the video? They did. Okay. Well, shows you how much I paid attention. Um, no one should enter without consent. Everyone should be there with a purpose and for a reason and with permission. Right. Let's 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 equate this back to personal. You don't let just anybody come into your home. And the same thing personally. Uh, I don't. I don't let anybody come into the dark room that is not invited, and that is for many reasons. First of all, there are a lot of dangerous things there. Second of all, there are a lot of fragile things there. And and honestly, people might not get it. And that may be a weird kind of thing to think about, but I want people in the dark room that that would appreciate the work, that would appreciate what goes on there. If someone has no care in the world about darkroom, I will not invite them to the studio and I will not invite them to the darkroom because I just don't need somebody just just messing with my chi, man. <laughs> I don't need somebody in there kind of like, oh, what's this? What's all this old garbage? I don't know. That's just a personal thing. But uh, but that's a, a big thing. 
is uh, is nobody's there without uh, without prior consent. Right. Um, another thing they talk about is not slamming the gate. Walk quietly through the area. And I remember talking about this at episode eighteen, but uh, make sounds as if um, you could wake a sleeping baby. And I love this. I love this because what happens when you start throwing stuff around and slamming doors and slamming drawers and, and all that fun stuff, not only can it distract your coworkers, I mean, typically when I'm working in the dark room, I'm working alone, but what does it mean for me? Well, if I start slamming things, uh, other things can, things can break, things can rattle off the, uh, rattle off the, the countertops. And there's just something really peaceful about treating your your creative space this way. Even your household, even your home. Uh, for a couple years, when I was uh, when I moved out out of my parents' house, I moved into an apartment and I couldn't believe the amount of people that stomp and slam and slam doors and throw things and and slam drawers and slam in the microwave and slam in the oven. I slam in the toilet seat. I mean, there's something Zen like when when you start treating your your area that way yeah something very calming the part of this that really stuck out to me is um don't be a distra- don't be a distraction to others respect all present and what they are doing right and that's for if you have multiple people if christy and i are working in the dark room i'm helping her with something she's helped me with something um you know the, the person doing the work is the most important right then and there. Right. Let them complete their task. Don't, don't mess with them. And this could work on a one-person basis as well. If I know I've got something in there doing something, respect that process. Respect that task before I start another task and potentially you know, send the old task off the rails. Right. Absolutely. Number three is be on. Do you have any more about number two? Nope. Okay. Number three is be on time. And they go in and say, commit, uh, come prepared to commit yourself entirely uh, with an on the clock mentality. What do you think? I think it is important to do everything on time. And as photographers, you need to have a timeline set up for your projects. You need to especially when you have clients, be on time to meetings, be on time and getting photographs to your clients, if not early, to surprise them, but at least be on time with it. You brought the client thing, and and I forgot something about number two, which was sacred space for a client. Um, I think it's important to have a dedicated email. I think it's important to have a dedicated telephone number for your clients. And I think it's it's important to you know when you go to meet a client, would you consider would you consider you know having your own phone or or telephone number and your own email for a client sacred space? Yes. What about every time we go to meet a client and we dress up nicely, and we bring our our sample books, and we bring uh, maybe we bring a laptop and 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 kind of work out with them locations. Can that table that we're all working at be a sacred space? Absolutely. I think so too. I think so too. 
Now, I'm not saying you need to have a laptop just for clients. I mean, heck, I don't. But the thing is, is you still you still operate your laptop, even if you're gaming, even if you're playing GTA all night, you still conduct your your laptop in a in a professional manner. You don't don't put a whole bunch of GTA and game logos on the on the the front. The laptop is a business or a creative laptop. Have all your creative applications out front. Heck, I we bought those triple tech tablets. Heck yeah, I downloaded Roller Coaster Tycoon on it. But I have to go to the apps and I got to go find Roller Coaster Tycoon. But everything on the front, I've got videography, I've got photography, I've got aerial I've got my, uh, you know, my sectional charts. I've got everything there right on the front so that if I'm ever working with a client, I click, 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 done. But if I have a whole mess of stuff and, and even if you don't, you're not a photographer, you're not a creative, you're not someone who does anything with their laptop except checked email and play games. You could still use that as a, as a, as a sacred space because that laptop has a purpose. And that purpose is to keep you in the connection, keep you in the know with emails and someplace you can play games, keep it clean, keep it updated. And, uh, and unlike my, uh, my right monitor right now, I've got three monitors, but unlike my right monitor right now, keep from a million icons on the desktop, but I'm usually pretty bad. I, I put things on my desktop because that's kind of a temporary space. It's in my face. It's something I need to deal with. And, uh, and I've got a couple podcast episodes that are, I still have the, the, the giant files. When we record a podcast, that's like, it's, uh, I think it's 30, I think it's 3.8 gigabytes per file. And we record multi-track and that is 30 minutes of, of footage. So therefore, if we have a one hour episode, that is uh, darn near eight gigabytes of space. And the, and the thing is, I, I try to keep up. I keep the audio files up for about two or three episodes. That way, if I need to go through and, and re, uh, remaster a, a podcast episode, I can. But sometimes, you know, sometimes work gets out of, out of hand and sometimes life gets out of hand. But, but following these guides, you know, this, this guide here, it, it makes it a little bit easier to get back on track. Right. Being on time, as you talked about, number three, being on time, absolutely for clients. And that means... Respond, respond to clients in a in a uh, in a timely fashion, especially inquiries. Sometimes I, I get into the trap of okay, well somebody just sent me an inquiry. They need um, they need this kind of a photo. Maybe they need some drone work. And like, I'm not in a sacred space when I receive them. I'm not in that sacred space of a mindset. Because I guess the, I guess your thoughts and your and your you know your brain can be a sacred space, and sometimes I just don't feel like I'm I'm in that space to to reply to an email right away. But you got to realize if a client is is emailing you, you're likely not the first one. <clears throat> and we talked to the the bride and groom from the tin type uh, wedding a couple weeks ago, and I said, uh, you know, we asked him. It's like, oh well, how'd you find us? And and uh, Thank you for choosing us. And, and what did she say? You're the ones that replied. You're the only ones that replied. <laughs> I mean, it's hard work. It's hard. We earned every cent of that, of that, of that job. But what would the alternative be? Sitting at home, wishing we had more work? 
but yeah, that's it's really kind of weird. And and even though other people, let's say other people did mail her, email her back. There's something to be said for being being punctual. And that can be be on time. When you when you promise a job to somebody, I always under promise and over deliver. And I guess that's even a be on time. That's almost a be early. Hey, you're going to get the images within a week. I'll have them in as long as I can in two days. I'm not, I give myself a little bit of wiggle room. If, if something happens, I have a, a major malfunction. I have a laptop die, whatever. I can still meet that demand ahead of time. Over, over, uh, was under promise over deliver. Right. And, um, the other part of this that the video brings up is that each task is important, mm-hmm. but that you have to maintain your physical and emotional health. Absolutely. So you have to make sure you get enough sleep, that you're eating healthy, that you're hydrating, and that you're finding that balance between work and play. Absolutely. You know, if you're not if you're not feeling well, and and when you start taking on clients or customers or or committing to to selling your underwater weaved baskets at a farmers market, the thing it is you're you're kind of you're kind of your client is showing up there and and putting your yourself out to them. And if you're not feeling well, you didn't take care of yourself. You went out late la- the, the night before, and you and you drank, or you just didn't get much sleep. You're not on time for your client. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that you were on time as far as a time time is concerned, but that you're there and you're at the at at the at full capacity. You can sit there and and walk through somebody the the, the steps of doing a photo job or an aerial job or a video video job, but you can be on time and and have all of yourself right there, be in the right mental state to to perform those tasks. Be nice to everybody and give everyone your all. You never know who the next person that walks by your underwater basket weaving booth is, and they may they may hire you for something. They may, oh, I'm I'm opening up a of this and this. I need a hundred underwater weaved baskets. But the thing is, you never know. And and don't don't go at it and say, oh, I got to be nice to everybody because John said you never know who you're going to talk to. No, be nice to everybody because you're you're a good person. And I think deep down, everybody's a good person. It's just that a lot of people stumble here and there. But especially if you're if you're running a business, be nice to everybody. And remember, respect begets respect. Absolutely. If you don't give it, you're not going to receive it. Does Tom say, uh, uh, what does Tom say about work and play? Um, just that you have to... Uh, you have to take time for work and time for play and There's find time, the balance. Time and place for everything. And he says they work hard, but they play hard as well. And find the good balance between the two. Number four kind of goes back to number one. Number four is be thorough. Now, I feel that work to code is being thorough. I feel like this is kind of a, hey, we need to, we need to double up on some stuff. Because if you're working to code, you're being thorough. And if you're being thorough, you're working to code. What if, and, and go back to the wedding thing. Uh, what if um, what if I figured that, oh, well, well, two backups is enough. The two cards in there, that, that camera, that's, that's enough. I don't need to worry about it. 
I mean, something could happen to that camera just because there's two backups in the camera. Right. Doesn't mean that you're covered. And is there is there any anything you can think of that be thorough and work to code don't cover each other with? Well, to me, the be thorough, um, what they bring up for be thorough is things like resetting your workstation, putting things away, cleaning Shouldn't up. Shouldn't that be code? It should be, but they didn't necessarily address that at how work about, to code. How about, um, I can think of one thing, uh, working to code. I need to back up. I need to back up this this drive. That's code. Verifying that the backups are good could be be thorough. It really should be code anyway. If you back up something, you should check it to make sure. Uh, I made uh, had a had a couple clients from from civ, uh, the civilian celebration that bought DVDs. Uh, I I you know when when you buy when you buy your your digital downloads, you can download them immediately. But some people would rather have them on a on an optical disc, and work to code was I put the images on an optical disc. Be thorough is I gave them small, medium, and large sizes, and I gave them a a a property release to use and print those images in a for a personal uh, purpose. Uh, be thorough maybe double checking to make sure that you pack these optical discs in a way that they're not going to get broken. That could be the the takeaway. But honestly, when you think about it, okay, well, work to code. Well, the code is you're going to you're going to burn a DVD. You're going to put the DVD back in once it's once it spits it out, you're going to put the DVD back in, you're going to make sure it reads. You're going to put it in an envelope. You're going to put a a stiffener board in there if you you know to to protect them. You're going to tape them so that you know, they're not easily going to break if, if the envelope gets stepped on. That really should be code. But if you wrote every single step down, pull a DVD off the stack, look at it, make sure it's not scratched, put it in the tray, double check it, then that code's going to be a mile long. Right. But at least this way, I, I, I guess, I guess, they, I guess they're, they're hand in hand, but one doesn't exist without the other well the way i look at it at it is work to code means to do the job be thorough is to clean up put things away put your tools back where they belong so that you can find them next time work to code should be clean up clean up after yourself that's what i'm getting at you know it should be but that doesn't mean everyone thinks that way absolutely which is why this reminder to do those things is important. I can't believe we're at 50 minutes. So we're going to have to do the uh, do 6 through 10 next, next week. week. But we have one more left. What's that one? I understand. Why? Communication is important, and you need to make sure that when you communicate something to someone, they fully understand what you're saying. So sometimes... You repeat what the person says, or you find a way to let them know that you fully understand what they said. You don't need to repeat them. You need to say, I understand. And I think about sometimes emails, sometimes stuff gets lost in translation with emails. And I will say, thank you for inviting us to your event. This is what we need as tintypists. We need electricity if we're indoors. We need water. 
no matter if we're indoors or outdoors. And if we're outdoors, we need a, a, a nice background to make people's photographs. I need that. And a lot of times people will not come back with, I understand, or I've read your, uh, I've read your needs and I've taken care of it. No, they will, they will, they will not deny the things we need. But they think that they're basically saying that they understand. And I'll sit there and say, like I said, I would sit there and say, I need this, 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 and this. And they'll come back with, okay, great. We'll see you at. I need you to say, I understand. Because the problem is when I used to do that and used to talk with a, with a client and tell them what I needed, sometimes things kind of just don't grab them and shake them a little bit. So therefore I've, I've started and not started. It's been, it's been a long time now, but sending an email out saying, please confirm that you understand what we need. I mean, look, we, we are the easiest people to work with, but the problem is I need water. And if you're not going to give me water on the site, I need to bring my own. I'm not going to bring 15 gallons of water in Jeep jugs when just because I can't get a yes or no out of you if you have water. And if I bring a ton of water, which is going to take the gas mileage way down, especially now with gas prices the way they are, I'm not going to be a happy camper. Same thing with weddings. Same thing with, as I said, Christine going with the bride, I going with the groom, and we getting set up shots. I want them to know what to expect. Here's what you can expect. Here's what we need you to expect. Here's what we expect. And, and I think that's important. You need to come back and I, I understand. Sometimes just saying I understand, though, doesn't mean that they do. You have Which... to say I understand and you have to say and you have to mean it. But we've had people not understand before. For example, whenever you tell people to put us on the schedule because you can't do a plate every time someone walks past us, to me, that is them not understanding what you're saying. Now, it's not that I say put me on the schedule. I will tell people I'm going to be doing X amount of demonstrations. Depending on what, what they pay for, I'm going to give more or less demonstrations. I'm giving so-and-so demonstrations. Please put us on the schedule past this time, no later than this time, and give us at least an hour in between. Because we usually have people that like sticking around. They want to ask a bajillion questions about the camera, the dark box of chemistry. I love it. I love talking to people about that stuff. But, and as Christine said, several times we'll go to an event and and we'll get the we'll get the handout. We're not on there. Oh, here's uh, here's John and Christine with historical photography. And then when I, when I grill them for it, 99% of the time they'll say, oh, we just thought you could demonstrate whenever. I'm not wasting <laughs> an expensive plate as a demonstration just every time a group of people walk up to me. Just not going to do it. Now, now, here's the thing. Typically, we have people that want their own plates made. We give a full demonstration with that. But if I had to give the history of photography 10 times during a day, I'm not going to have a voice for the next day. It just can't happen that way. And that's happened more times than I, than I wish to admit that 
We've gone somewhere, told them what our needs are. They've told us that they will put us on the schedule at this time and this time, and then when we get there, it's not there. And I hate to say it, but people like that, if I, if we have that communication breakdown, I'm likely not coming back, especially if it's a an event kind of thing. And doubly especially if I'm coming out and I'm either coming out for free or I am paying you to vend. And we have a couple events like that during the year where I know that I can go, I can set up, and I will make a profit. But if you don't hold up your end of the bargain, I'm not going to be a happy camper, especially when I say I need to make sure you have us on a schedule at a time frame for the demonstrations. Because if people come and they don't come by us or or whatever, I'm not going to make money. Sometimes people see tintype prices. And even though I'm on point to, to lower than than photographers say in Pennsylvania or, or down in, in North Carolina, I still, I still get to the point where if I make a demonstration, people understand what goes into a tintype. People understand what goes into the process. And I get a line of people. If I don't have a scheduled demonstration and I don't have a captive audience listening to our, our, our whole spiel, People come up, see the price of a tintype, and they're like, oh, it's expensive. Okay, this is not a paper print. I've seen people sell paper prints for about the same price as, as we have. We sell tintypes for. But it's it's just got to be. It's a, it's a thing that's got to be done. But feed, uh, saying I understand, you, you got to have it. Message received, I understand, and if you don't understand, there's no shame in saying, John, I don't understand what you need to mean about um, uh, about a pretty backdrop. And I like, I like talking over the phone. Here's another I understand. I like talking over the phone, and I like sending an email. Hey, thanks for the phone call today. Just to go over what we talked about, I need electricity, I need water, I need a pretty backdrop. I will get on the phone and say, look, oh, let's let's talk about this. Here's what we need. We're doing this because we want a nice backdrop. We don't want a bunch of modern crap in the background of a, of a tintype, and neither does anybody sitting for a tintype. It's, it's a big thing. We need water. Oh, well, I'll bring you um, I'll bring you bottled water. No, okay, well, step back. We will bring. We are self-sufficient. We will bring the, the food and drink that we need to finish our job. However, I need, it doesn't need to be potable. It doesn't need to be drinkable. I need water for rinsing the chemistry. It sounds super simple, but it is so darn difficult with a lot of people in every aspect of your life. And, you know, back when I worked IT, CYA, and I know IT and pretty much anybody else that works in, a, in an industry knows what CYA is. It stands for cover your butt. <laughs> make sure you have, make sure you have it, have it taken care of. And that may, may even be, I don't think that's any of the other numbers, is it? No, it's not. 
Cover your butt. Make sure that if somebody promises you something, you, you've, got a, you've got a record of it. If they said they understood, you have a record of it. But you, on the other hand, you need to assume that people that have reacted with you have a record of what you promised them. In a way, that's number six, dear, which we haven't gotten to yet. Oops. We're not going to talk about number six. <laughs> Just saying. But, but it's real simple. It's, it's so simple to, to make sure that everybody is on the same page. And it, it alleviates so many, the majority of problems. When you know what they expect of you and they know what you expect of them. It's simple, but it's very rarely exercised. It's very rarely figured out. It's very rarely spent much time on it. Oh, you want me to come out for a wedding? Okay, I'll see you. Oh, okay. Uh, the tintype wedding. All we did was set up tintypes. What time do we need to be ready by? How, how many people ask this? What time do you want us ready? People don't realize it takes us an hour to set up an indoor studio. People don't realize it takes us an hour to break down a tintype studio. More if I am, you know, I've got, I've got a dozen plates to varnish. People don't know. And it's your responsibility to tell them what you expect from them. Time frames, setup. Um, you know, I, like I said, we're easy. I could have brought out chairs, my own chairs, my own tables, but the, the coordinator of the reception event was so nice and so many people just completely discount them as any help whatsoever. They were so nice to us to make sure that, oh, we have tables. I'll set you up some tables. Okay, great. Set me up, uh, set me up two tables. One of them, I'm going to do my dark box on. I'm going to bring plastic. I'm going to bring plastic for the floor. That way I don't mess up your table or I don't mess up your floor. If I happen to spill something, no problem. I need, I need power. Oh, yeah, there's power there. Don't Again, you make sure that you have different ways to deal with. Because somebody may say we have power there, but it may be 20 feet away like we had at the, at the wedding venue. We had to go up upstairs, and there was a handicap lift to go from, from the ground floor to maybe four feet up so that anybody coming to the wedding venue, the reception venue, in a wheelchair, no problem. But the problem is is you need to be prepared. And even then, what did, what did we take that we didn't even take out of the car, Christine? Chairs. Chairs. Table. And on, and we took table as well. We had we had a plastic table just in case. We had two chairs just in case, but they took care of us, no problem. Because sometimes those little miscommunications do happen, and they do. It's kind of crazy. We made sure we had everything we needed to do our job, but if we had extras, it was fine. Ain't gonna hurt nothing. Right. Ain't gonna hurt nothing. To put an extra extra chair in there. And honestly, sometimes we put one chair. Because there's always some place for me to sit down if we're if we're not that busy that I need to be standing and talking to people all day. No problem. That way at least Christine can sit down and, and sometimes Christine, you know, will will take over talking about the chemistry and the history and let me take a seat. 
or I'm sitting down while working in the dark box, or I'm sitting down while varnishing plates. Absolutely. Number five is very, very important. I think so far, so far I think it's the most important part of the list. What do you think? Communication is always one of the most important things because you can't accomplish the rest if people don't understand what they're doing. And in a way, this list is a way of communication. Yeah, I hear you. So in a way, all of this, I mean, each step ties into the others. And without one of the steps, you'd probably be a little bit lost. Well, there's one step that really doesn't tie into any of them. That's step number nine. And we're not going to talk about this tonight. No. We're going to talk about that next week. So you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to to uh, to wait a week or go check the video out yourself and try to figure out what we're going to say and how we're going to tie number 9 into photography. That's going to be a tough one. We'll see if we can do it though, Christine. Oh, I'm sure we can. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I want to know what you guys think about this uh, this 10 bullets list. Have you watched 10 bullets or at least from from listening to us? Do you think there's anything we've missed? I'm sure there is. Let us know, and as always, you can connect with us on our Facebook group or through email at podcast at underrigglow.com. And as always, your comments just might make it into a future episode. As always, a big thank you to everyone for continuing to join us. All the love and support we've received from people liking us on Facebook, also subscribing and rating us on your podcast platform of choice. And also, also, a big thank you to our Patreon subscription supporters. We're starting at just a buck. You can get our shows early with our supporters only after show. All of that adds. Be sure to check out other supporter tiers as well, which are geared towards bringing you along with us on our darkroom projects with great rewards. All of links being found in our show notes and also on www.underregglow.com. And now with episode 95 down, it's been our absolute pleasure spending this time with you. Please be sure to subscribe to Under Red Glow. And if we've earned your recommendation to any other photographers of any skill level or process, we would certainly appreciate you sharing us with them. A big thank you to my co-host and Chris, Christine, my co-host and Christine Milliker. And of course, <laughs> everyone for listening if you're listening on Patreon or our supporter page, stay tuned for the after show. Thanks for tuning in. Look forward to visiting with you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>